Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 53 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Acts chapter 23 today and our focus is on the hope of the resurrection and why Paul was a good witness of the gospel. So, unwelcome new listeners in Victoria, Australia, West Bengal, India, London, England, Ontario, Canada, Washington, D.C., Meridian, Mississippi, and Abilene, Texas. Thank you all for listening. Please do check out our website, Bible2021.com. You can contact us there. You can read a transcript of each day's episode. And I would also like to ask you to check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review if you are so inclined. Let's launch today with some feedback from our friend Og, the original gangster, on yesterday's episode on Paul's salvation and his testimony. He writes, There are several reasons that God saved Paul, and we will not know them all on this side of eternity. First and foremost, though, because God even loves those who revile and hate him, the most vulgar atheist who deceives those weak in their faith, even that one is a person for whom Jesus died. But also note how well-suited Paul was to spread the gospel. We learned from yesterday's episode that Paul spoke Aramaic and Greek, and we also know that he spoke Hebrew and Latin. There would be very few people in the empire to whom Paul could not speak. He was a Roman citizen, and as seen here, was thus protected from arbitrary abuses of power. Paul was well-versed in the scriptures, being a Pharisee of the Pharisees and the son of a Pharisee. Paul was bold, results-minded, highly intelligent, and absolutely fearless. He wrote with authority and preached with power. Paul was carefully designed by God to be a powerhouse of the gospel. In addition to all of that, it often seems to happen that God reaches into a dark place and sets some random human on a path towards him. I have heard many stories of people with no inkling of the gospel suddenly deciding to pursue some course that led to God, or else set in a circumstance from which only God could lift them. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, those are some great gospel thoughts there, Og. Thank you for sharing that. Now, today's passage, Acts 23, is pretty interesting. Lots of stuff going on. The Sadducees and Pharisees get into a big debate instigated by Paul about resurrection and the existence of angels and spirits. A group of racist Jewish people, the same ones from the other day, are still incensed about Paul having the gall to suggest that the good news be taken to the Gentiles, and so they bind themselves together under a curse oath to not eat or drink until they've killed Paul. Now, interestingly, they don't kill Paul, and I'd love to have known the outcome of that. Did those guys really starve or die of thirst because they didn't pull off their stupid mission? Did they realize how silly they were being and just, you know, eat and drink? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I love the way that these schemers are outmaneuvered here by the clever Claudius, commander of the Romans here. Good job, commander. Let's read our passage. This is Acts chapter 23, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience to this day. The high priest Ananias ordered those who were standing next to him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. You're sitting there judging me according to the law, and yet in violation of the law, are you ordering me to be struck? Those standing by nearby said, Do you dare revile God's high priest? Oh, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest, replied Paul, for it is written, You must not speak evil of a ruler of your people. 
When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I'm a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I'm being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, and neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees affirm them all. The shouting grew loud, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees' party got up and argued vehemently, We find nothing evil in this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down, take him away from them, and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord spoke, stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. When it was morning, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 who had formed this plot, and these men went to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under a solemn curse that we won't eat anything until we have killed Paul. So now you, along with the Sanhedrin, make a request to the commander that he bring him down to you as if you were going to investigate his case more thoroughly. But before he gets near, we are ready to kill him. But the son of Paul's sister, hearing about their ambush, came and entered the barracks and reported it to Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander, because he has something to report to him. So he took him, brought him to the commander, and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you, because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the hand, led him aside, and acquired privately, What is it you have to report to me? The Jews, he said, have agreed to ask you to bring Paul to the Sanhedrin tomorrow, as though they were going to hold a somewhat more careful inquiry about him. Don't let them persuade you, because there are more than forty of them lying in ambush, men who have bound themselves under a curse not to eat or drink until they have killed him. Now they are ready, waiting for your consent. So the commander dismissed the young man and instruct him, Don't tell anyone that you have informed me about this. He summoned two of his centurions and said, Get two hundred soldiers ready with seventy cavalry and two hundred spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Also provide mounts to ride so that Paul may be brought safely to Felix the governor. He wrote the following letter, Claudius Lysias, to the most excellent governor Felix. Greetings. When this man had been seized by the Jews and was about to be killed by them, I arrived with my troops and rescued him because I learned that he is a Roman citizen. Wanting to know the charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down before their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusations were concerning questions of their laws, and there was no charge that merited death or imprisonment. When I was informed that there was a plot against the man, I sent him to you right away. I also ordered his accusers to state their case against him in your presence. So the soldiers took Paul during the night and brought him to Antipatris as they were ordered. The next day they returned to the barracks, allowing the cavalry to go on with them. When these men entered Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. After he read it, he asked what province he was from, and when he learned he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing whenever your accusers also get here. He ordered that he be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So, side note, one thing I have in common with Paul, when I get hit in the face, I also experience an immediate anger burst, I don't usually have much of a temper, but somehow getting hit in the face can cause a very brief and intense rise in anger. Now, that said, unlike Paul, I very rarely call people whitewashed walls when I am upset with them. 
Well, here's our verse of the day, specifically the last part of Acts 23.6. When Paul realized that one part of them were Sadducees and the other part were Pharisees, he cried out in the Sanhedrin, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am being judged because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Well, what is the hope of the resurrection of the dead? Paul explains it even more clearly later on in his defense when he says in Acts 24.15, I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Also, Acts 26.6-8, And now I stand on trial because of the hope in what God promised to our ancestors. The promise our twelve tribes hope to reach as they earnestly serve him night and day, King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? So this is core and crucial to the good news. God will raise to life all who have perished. There will be a resurrection of the just and the unjust. Charles Spurgeon says, If there is any one truth that Christ proclaimed more than another, it seems to be this, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust, and that the actions of this life will be reviewed in another life, and that rewards and punishments will be meted out by the great judge who cannot err, kind and gracious as was Jesus, the mighty prophet of Nazareth, who has ever described in more graphic words than he did the separation of the sheep from the goats, and the blessing of those on the right hand of God, and the cursing of those on the left. What words could there be more terrible than his when he spoke of the worm that doesn't die, and of the fire that will never be put out? O sinner, your sin is immortal. At least there is only one who can kill it and put it away, and that is Christ Jesus. You will live again, sir. It will not be the end of you when you are carried to your grave and green grass grows above you. You shall live again, and your thoughts and words and actions shall live too. So that is the great hope of the church, my friends, that there will be a resurrection. All who are in Christ will live forever, not by their own merits, but by His in the presence of God. Amen. Let's close with our verse of the month for February, Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Amen. Well, good day, friends. May it be a good Monday for you. Godspeed.